I want you to join me, if you would, tonight in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. We're going to chapter number one, so don't turn too far, okay? I don't know what my deal is, but over the last six months, I've had the most difficult time getting out of Genesis. There is such revelation in the very first chapter of the book of the Bible that it's, it's unreal to try to wrap your mind around what God did. And so tonight I'm going to do my best to preach to you what the Lord has put on my heart from the book of Genesis chapter number one. And I would like to begin at verse number one if we could. And if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, surely you missed it because it's right there in the very front. Praise God. Get past all the marriages, the revivals, the births, the deaths, all that stuff. And the very first page should be right where we're at. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The creation account begins by telling us that there was darkness, that the earth had no form, and that it was void. The Spirit of God moved on that void, that emptiness, that thing that had the inability in and of itself to come together. The Spirit of God moved on that. But it was not in the move of God that the creation account began. The move of God was the proof that he had showed up and was present in the darkness and the void. But the very first words that are recorded from the mouth of our creator in his eternal, incredible, infinite wisdom and knowledge was four words. Let there be light. Now, I know you're not going to believe when I tell you this because you got to go to the Hebrew background and get all that stuff figured out. When God said, let there be light, do you know what happened? Can you believe that when God said it, it just happened? God said four words, let there be light, and the darkness knew right where to go. I want to preach to you tonight, let there be light, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. There have been a lot of kings whose words have been recorded in the annals of history. There have been a lot of kings who have been written about them, autobiographies. Kings that have written biographies of themselves. 
the words of kings that are recorded that literally by the spoken word of their mouth change the course of history. If you pick up your Bible and just begin to read about kings within the 66 books of the pages of our Holy Bible, you will find there in those 66 books that when Pharaoh spoke, Joseph was elevated. When Saul spoke, Abimelech was slain. Ahimelech was slain. When David spoke, Uriah went to his death. When King Solomon spoke, the temple was built. When Ahab spoke, Naboth's vineyard was taken. When Jehoshaphat spoke, angels ambushed his enemy. When Nebuchadnezzar spoke, three Hebrew boys went to the fiery furnace. When Belshazzar spoke, Daniel went to a den of lions. When Herod spoke, John Baptist was beheaded. When Festus and Agrippa spoke, Paul's life was spared. And not without cause because Ecclesiastes, the 8th chapter, and the 4th verse declares this fact. That where the word of a king is, there is power. There have been many kings to have spoken after the scripture was well written and recorded. And this, the word of a king would either give life or death or would cause a man's family to be separated and his life to be spent in prison. But I'm declaring to you tonight that of all the kings that have spoken... Woo, there has never been a king that's been able to speak like the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17, it said, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm declaring to you that when our king spoke, there was creation. When our king spoke, there was incarnation. When our king spoke, it is finished. There was salvation. Hallelujah. Paul told Timothy that he was the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I can tell you tonight emphatically, undeniably, that there is no king like our king. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the one which was and is, is to come, the Almighty. I was raised to believe that there can only be one Almighty. And when the Almighty King opens up his mouth and says a word, I want to tell you right now, it happens. You hear me when I tell you right now that before creation ever began, darkness was already there. But when my King spoke and he Oh, God have mercy. And he said, let there be light. That doesn't mean that the darkness went away. It meant that the light was more powerful than the darkness. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to bore you tonight, but I just need to talk to you for a few minutes.
You may have no sense of motion whatsoever right now unless you have an inner ear problem, then the whole earth's moving. But it's an illusion of miraculous proportions that you don't feel anything going on right now. You want to know what the real reality is? Now, don't let this freak you out. I think about this kind of stuff when I'm flying around the world. You're on a planet that's spinning around its axis right now at approximately 1,000 miles per hour. And what's incredible about that is you're not dizzy at all. Plus, the planet Earth is speeding right now through space at approximately 67,000 miles per hour. Think about that. 67,000 miles per hour. So on a day that you feel unproductive, like you haven't got anything done, nothing accomplished, don't feel bad because you've traveled 1,608,000,000 miles in the last 24 hours. No big deal, right? When was the last time that you just stopped and said, Lord, I thank you that I didn't fall off the face of the earth today? You know why? We don't have to worry about that. Because God said, let there be light. And when God said it, the order of the word of a king, God, established things in order that never had to be second guessed. When God said it, it happened. God did not set the speed limit of the earth spinning on its axis and declare that it would be exactly a thousand miles per hour. When God said with four spoken words, let there be light. Everything that had to be was. Everything that needed to be in order was. I just want to ask you tonight, when was the last time you realized that in one billion six hundred and eight million miles that you traveled, there's anything too hard for God? Pastor St. Clair, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my family's into right now. I need a miracle from God, and I don't know how in the world he's going to get it done. The same way that he created the heavens and the earth is the same way that he can speak life to you tonight. (laughs) So stay with me right now. I don't want to freak you out. You're experiencing a miracle right now sitting in the seat of this church of astronomical proportions that you can't even imagine. And all of it is because of the order and the power of the word of a king. In order to fully appreciate the power of this miracle, we need to go to the first four words that he spoke. Let there be light. Think about it. Let there be light. Mark Batterson, an author, said concerning the scripture of Genesis 1 and 3, when God said, let there be light, he said, here's the paraphrase. Let there be electromagnetic radiation with varying wavelengths traveling at 186,282 miles per second. Let there be radio waves, microwaves, and x-rays. Let there be photosynthesis and fiber optics. Let there be LASIK surgery, satellite communication, and suntans. Oh, and let there be a rainbow after a rainstorm. Let there be light. Come on now. 
Let there be light. The first words recorded of our Creator. But I want to tell you tonight a little bit about light that you may not understand. Light is the source of vision. And without it, you cannot see a thing. Light is the key to technology. Light is the reason that we can speak to people on the other side of the world. I said I was in South Africa, and every single day that I was there, I was able to talk to my wife and my children on video. I told my uncle, I said, would not this have been incredible when we first started traveling internationally to be able to talk to our family and our children? My, my granddad would get on a flight and go to the Philippines, and my grandmother wouldn't talk to him for weeks. Maybe one phone call that said, hey, I'm safe, I'm here, and that was it. And we were able to talk every single day. You know why? Because light is able to move around the globe seven and a half times every second. Think about that. It just traveled around the globe in one second, seven and one half times. Light is the first link in the food chain. No photosynthesis equals no food. Light is the basis of health. The absence of light causes everything from vitamin C deficient vitamin D deficiency to depression. Light is the origin of energy. Anybody here ever read about Einstein? And Einstein's equation E equals MC squared. Energy is defined as mass m times the speed of light c squared the speed of light is the constant in the equation light is the measuring stick of all space and all time a meter and listen to this i know there's not going to be a pop quiz at the end of this sermon tonight a meter is defined as the distance traveled by light in a vacuum during a time interval of 1 1,000 of a second. And you wondered how they got a meter. Come on, somebody. They recently did studies in fluorescent microscopy as to what happens at the moment of conception. When the seed enters into the egg of a woman. And with that, they said, with close fluorescent microscopy, that at the very moment that seed enters into the egg of a female, that the egg releases incredible amounts, billions and billions of zinc atoms from the egg that emit light. And literally, under that microscope, sparks begin to fly at the moment of conception the first four words of God Almighty come into play and there is light is it any wonder that Jesus said you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill I'm telling you right now he didn't create you to be dark he didn't create you to live in darkness he didn't create you to live in depression he didn't create you to be underneath he created you to be above he created you to be the head and not the tail you've got the ability tonight to look at darkness and declare that the light is greater somebody shout yes Woo. I feel him here tonight 
In January, chapter, uh, January 1, 1925, Edwin Hubble gave a presentation that proved to be a cosmological paradigm shift. At the time, the prevailing opinion was that the Milky Way galaxy might be the sum total of the cosmos. Hubble was a pioneer of extragalactic astronomy, and he argued otherwise. His key piece of evidence was the degree of redshift observed in light coming from distant stars that increased in proportion to their distance from the planet Earth. In one fail swoop, the size of the known universe was increased by a factor of 100,000. Think about that. Even more significant was the simple fact that the universe is still expanding. Nearly a century later, the Hubble telescope has spied an estimated 200 billion galaxies. And recent research indicates that this estimate may be at least 10 times too low. Here's the significance of that discovery, folks, and stay with me for just a minute. The four words spoken by God in the beginning of time, as we know it, let there be light, is still creating galaxies. And yet with the very same mouth that said, let there be light, he opened up his mouth and said, my ways are not like your ways. He said, my ways are as far above the heavens are above the earth. Do you know how far that is? It's still expanding by 100,000 times a day. It's still expanding. There's no way to measure and limit God. There's no way to figure out how big he is. There's no way to figure out how infinite he is. There's no way to measure him. I've come to tell you tonight, you're not facing a problem that's too big for your God. You have yet to to face a mountain that's too big for your God. I'm in my introduction. I'm fixing to get to my sermon, so just stay with me. Let there be light. Four words. I just want to calm down for long enough to ask you a question. If four words are still creating galaxies unknown to mankind, what in the world are you worried about? Well, God's never seen a problem like this one. If I'd had time Wednesday night, I'd have preached a little bit about the power of your words. But I'm going to say a little something right here that might be somewhat controversial to some because you have to take into account that the will of God is greater than we could ever understand. And so with that said and prefacing this statement, I just want to tell you, I believe sometimes that the biggest thing that fights the will of God from happening in our lives and healing happening and whatsoever it may be is the fact that we don't know how to talk. Because we say one thing on Sunday night while we're high and filled with faith. And another thing on Sunday night on the way home in the car. 
when God just told us by four spoken words, I'm still creating galaxies. They're never going to figure me out. They're never going to find me out. They're never going to measure out. And we get in the car and we say, God, there is no way that you're ever going to make this happen. I feel like telling somebody tonight in the name of Jesus that if you can figure out how big he is, then you can start measuring his abilities. Job began to query the Lord and ask God some questions about the dark days in his life, at which point the Lord turns and queries him and begins to ask him questions along the same line when he said to him, Job, where were you when I hollowed out with my hand the earth? Where were you, Job, when I stretched the line across it? Where were you, Job, when I told the ocean you can only go this far? Where were you, Job, when I told the heavens to separate and the firmaments to separate? I feel like telling somebody tonight that feels like you're living in darkness, let there be light. Uh Hallelujah. Still trying to figure out what in the world I'm worried about tonight. When I sit trying to figure out exactly how in the world God is going to fix what needs to be fixed while I'm preaching to myself I feel like taking some pressure off your shoulders and I want to tell you tonight I don't want to surprise anybody in here certainly this may be a great revelation to you but I want everybody here to take a big deep breath right now and I just want to tell you are you ready for the bad news you are not God you are not him Nor does he need your help being God. (laughs) So while you're trying to figure out how he's God, he's still trying to get you to figure out how to be you. Because you were made unique with the fingerprint of God. And he breathed life into you with the very breath of God. I've come to tell you tonight, you might as well sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Because God has got this thing covered. God's not nearly as worried about it as you are. How did God create? He created with his voice. He spoke. Look at the power of four words. Let there be light. Now, folks, I'm not an English major. I'm not. If you can't tell, sometimes... I have a difficult time even speaking English. But I want to tell you, I know what the word let means. The word let means it has to be allowed. When somebody knocks on the door and you say, no, go away. Let me in. Right? Maybe your kids don't do that. Dad, she won't let me in. I'm like, oh, God. If I come upstairs, I'm kicking the door down. And then you're going to have to move your hands and let me whoop your hide. 
let me in. Let, 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 let me in. God said, let there be light. Let there. He wasn't asking permission. He was making a statement. Darkness, you have no choice right now other than let there be light. And when God spoke, let there be, the darkness just said, well, I got to let it. The difference in you and darkness is that darkness didn't have a choice. But the Spirit of God is speaking to somebody in this house tonight saying, please, let there be light. And you're saying, but Lord, I'm not sure you can do that in my situation. He said, let there be light. And you're saying, "Mm, I don't know, Lord, I think that would cost too much. He's saying, let there be light. And we're like, "Mm, I don't know. That revival sounds a little too far for FPC. See, y'all done missed. I'm I'm preaching better right now than I have all night. Let there be. Let, let, Let there be light. Let there be light. Oh, God, anybody? I know I've seen you do it for somebody else, but you can't do it for me. We always can have faith to believe for somebody else. But at some point in your life, you have got to let light come in and move the darkness out. You have got to let the light come in and... Oh, God. I want to know tonight. If God said, let there be light and this happens, what else does he have to do to convince you that he is bad to the bone? You know that big deep breath you just took a while ago? Remember that? We all did that when I told you, like, ruined your day. Told you you weren't God. That big deep breath you took, guess what, folks? I got another revelation. I don't want to hurt your feelings. That does not even belong to you. Every breath that comes into our lungs, it's because God said, let there be. And every time you breathe in, listen. You don't have to tell your brain to tell your spinal cord to let your diaphragm expand to let air enter into your lungs. It's just a process that's built in. Now, folks, I preach to you this morning. You've got to endure, right? I preach that. You've got to endure. You're going to make it. You've got to endure. But I want to tell you right now, if you quit right now, you'll never win. But the Word of God says if you'll just endure, you're going to win. Humanity was the only creation that God created with his hand and with his touch and with the ability to tell light no. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine today. I was dealing with an individual that does not believe that the Holy Ghost is necessary. And I said, let me just ask you a practical practical question. I said, this is really not good, good whatever, debate material, whatever. So, but let, me, let me just ask you a question. Because I can never get a good answer from this. What I don't understand about people that would fight the Holy Ghost is, it's really a simple question. What I don't understand about people that fight the Holy Ghost is why would you not want it? 
It's a gift that God says, you can have it. And I said, brother, the only, the only answer I have to that question, but it's not a popular answer. The only answer I have to that question is that that person at some point in their life has sought the Lord to fill them with his spirit, but they realized how much it was going to cost them before he filled them. They realized what they were going to have to lay down and what they were going to have to quit doing and what they were going to have to repent of because he's a jealous God and he will not share his glory with anything else. I don't understand that. I don't understand why people would go to, they, they, they go to a church and they'll say things like this. They'll say, you know what? I believe that the Spirit of God is a gift that we can have but I don't believe it's for everybody. That is unfair. I'd be ticked off if I sat by somebody in church on Sunday and they was talking in tongues. And I'm like, guess it's not for me. What do you think, you're an orphan? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. It is his good pleasure. Woo! It is his good pleasure to fill you with his spirit. I've come to tell the whole world tonight. You may not want it and you may not think it's necessary. But I'm so glad that I've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let there be, and there was. He made the promise that he would let his spirit come and dwell within us. But the question is tonight, are you willing to let his spirit dwell in you? Now, we could take that a little bit deeper, and I don't really have time to spend here. But my problem with people that don't want to have the Holy Ghost is very simply this. They don't want to have the Holy Ghost. And they say, well, so you're saying i got to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. Well, let me just throw a little word at you. The Bible said that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit that's going to quicken your mortal body. Right? So if that spirit is not dwelling within me, how can I be quickened? What I'm saying to you tonight is it's going to take the Spirit to quicken my mortal body for me to go to heaven. So why not enjoy it right now? I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm glad about it. Yes. The voice that spoke the universe into existence is the same voice parted the Red Sea for Moses, made the sun stand still for Joshua. The voice that created was the voice that caused the withered hand to be healed 
at the same time causing a fig tree to wither up. Because where the word of a king is, whoo, there is power. The same voice that created is the very same voice that can turn water into wine. Can cause a man that's been dead four days to come up out of his grave when he simply says, Lazarus, come forth. Well, mine's too far dead, Pastor. There's no way God can do it. They said, Lazarus has been in there four days, Jesus. Behold, now he stinketh. I want to tell you the stink didn't stop him then, and the stink won't stop him now. I don't care how dead you think it is. By one spoken word, come forth. He can breathe life into you. He's able. He can speak however he chooses to speak. He can speak through Balaam's donkey. He can speak through a burning bush. He can speak through Bethlehem's star. He can speak through a preacher on a Sunday night. He can speak however he wants to speak. But the bottom line is whenever his word is spoken, there is life that comes in. When his word is spoken, there is light that comes into darkness. I've come to challenge you tonight. It's time for us to open up the book starting on the very first page of the book of Genesis and believe what the word says. That when God said, let there be light. There was light. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. His voice can show up not only through a burning bush. His voice can show up through a finger writing on the wall. His voice can show up through a finger writing on tablets of stone. His voice can shut the lion's mouth. His voice can cause the fire to not burn up three Hebrew boys but come out with what had them bound, unlocked, and them walking out not even smelling like fire. I want to tell you tonight, his voice is as powerful as it's ever been. He is able to speak into your situation. He is able to look at the storm-tossed wave and say, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, peace, peace. Boy, I felt something right there when I said that. Peace, peace. Somebody needs a little peace in this house right now. Somebody needs God to settle your spirit right now. Somebody's here tonight and you've been asking God in your quiet time. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. While tears, hot tears, have dripped down your face into your pillow at night saying, God, please just give me peace. Well, I want to tell you that the Prince of Peace has walked in here tonight and he's speaking peace. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's only one beginning. There's only one beginning. And John chapter 1 and verse number 1 said that in the beginning... Guess what was in the beginning? The Word. The Word was with God. 
And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light. Of men. The light. Shined in the darkness. But the darkness. Comprehended it. Not. When I was a kid. I thought that man. That the darkness couldn't figure the light out. But if you look at the root and understand the word. It means that the darkness could not squelch the light. It could not put the light out. That the power of the light was greater than the power of the darkness. I want to tell you tonight. Let there be light. Because the power of his word is greater than your darkness. Oh God. Can I build your faith for just a minute? <laughs> Somebody shout beginning. There was only one beginning. But before there was a mountain to climb or a man to climb the mountain, before there were galaxies above us or grass beneath us, before there was an air for a bird to fly in or water for a fish to swim in. In the beginning was the Word. Mm. In the beginning was the Word. Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse declares to us that the Word of God is quick it's powerful that it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and it's the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart Paul told Timothy son preach the word the ark of the covenant first kings we read about the ark of the covenant we read about what was put in that Ark of the Covenant is very powerful when you read about that. But the, the, the golden pot of manna was put in there. The provision of God. If you believe it, say amen. Aaron's budding rod was put in there. That was the miraculous and the supernatural. If you believe it, say amen. The Word of God was placed in there. The tablets of stone. It is my understanding, in recent reading, that there are a lot of orthodox rabbis that believe that when Moses came down off of the mountain and he cast down the tablets of stone and they broke, they believed that in that Ark of the Covenant there was the first set of tablets that were broken and the second set of tablets that were made whole and set on top of the broken tablets. Because God is a God that wanted us to understand that even when it's broken, when his word comes in, it is able 
to heal and repair the damage that frustration has caused. Oh, God. The Bible said after the Babylonian captivity, when we read in 1 Kings about the Ark of the Covenant, it helps us to understand that the budding rod was missing because everybody wants the miraculous. Said the golden pot of manna was missing because everybody wants provision. That's the spirit of modern religion. We want to preach miracles and money. And the only thing that was left in the Ark of the Covenant, Brother Kevin, was the Word. But do you know that the people of God never knew that the budding rod was missing? And that the pot of manna was missing. You know why? Because when all you've got left is the word. You've still got enough. What they did not know. Is that the power of the miraculous. Was not in the budding rod. It was in the word. The miracle working power. Was not in the bowl. It was in the word. If you want to know tonight. Why I believe in the power of preaching. I believe in the power of the word. You don't have to believe this, but I believe that the word will set a drug addict free. If they walk into the house and they're inebriated on drugs, I believe that the I believe that the word I believe that if the drunk walks into a church on Sunday night, that the word will sober him up and set him free. I believe in the power I'm almost done. Stay with me. I have no clue when I started, so just stay with me. You know why those tablets of stone were enough? Because where the word of the king is. <laughs> he said there is coming a day. In the Old Testament he said there's going to come a day. That the word that was written on tablets of stone. Is going to be inscribed on the walls of your heart. And that's why David said, hide your word in my heart. Uh, that I might not sin against God. If you want to know what the power is to overcome sinning in your life. You'll never find it by standing there and arguing of whether or not the word is right. You're never going to get deliverance by standing there saying, well, I don't think that's what it means. You're never going to get deliverance by saying, well, that's not my interpretation. I want to tell you that this word is not given to private interpretation because it's powerful enough. It's powerful enough on its own. Whether I believe it or I don't believe it, his word still works. Word was written on 
two and possibly even three, if we search a little bit deeper, three continents. We know for sure at least two continents, and, and there's a really, really good strong chance three. It was written in Syria, Arabia, even pagan Italy and Rome, and others in Greece. It was put down in the desert of Sinai in the wilderness of Judea. It was penned in a cave called Adullam, a public prison house in Rome, on the Isle of Patmos, at the palaces of Shushan, the river of Kabar. It was penned as he wrote from a prison house to all the saints of Caesar's household. In an, oh God, in an environment where the word was not supposed to be, Paul said, I just want to remind all the saints that aren't even supposed to be there that the word can be as powerful in Caesar's household. Oh God. Ah. I'm having a hard time. tapestry of truth that we call the precious word of God miraculously emerges from all of these diverse scenes different circumstances different geographical places there is no other literary phenomena that can compare to this word so you know what I'm going to preach this word you know why I'm not going to preach Prophet Joseph Smith's word? Because it's not this word. Do you know why I'm not going to preach the papal scriptures? Because it's not this word. There is no word that has the power to set free, to heal, and deliver. Stay with me. I'm hurrying. It was not just written in a diversity of places. It was written in a diversity of languages. Different seasons. It was written in different times. This precious book was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Written by men separated by hundreds and even thousands of years. The earliest, this is amazing to me, the earliest of which was written some 1,500 years before the one who finished it was even born. Think about it. It is divinely inspired. but was penned on parchment by princes, poets, philosophers, fishermen, priests, publicans, and politicians. Some who were learned in the knowledge of Egypt, says the scripture. The Bible says that others were educated in the schools of Babylon. And at least one for sure that we know, Brother Stephen, was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a leading authority in the Sanhedrin. We know. Because Paul said in Acts 22 and 3 that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel and there he learned. What I'm saying to you is that the word was written in different places. Different languages, different men, different upbringing. There was men of every class and level of life. But they did it with passion and zeal. They did it in deserts, dungeons, palaces, and prison. They wrote it in times of imminent danger, seasons of joy and heartache and heartbreak. 
They did it in poetry and prose and proverbs and allegories and parables. But of all, of all the diversities, there rings a message all the way from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it leads us all the way to Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. That there is one Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. And Father of all. Who is above all. Who is through all. And who is. Who is in you all. Out of all the diversity. There comes one doctrine. One plan of salvation. One preeminent person living and breathing on every page. And John 1 said in the beginning it was the word. And in 1 and 14, he said it was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the preeminent. He is above all things. He is before all things. He is after all things. All things were created by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. I've come to tell you tonight that all things that we see visible and invisible. It all revolves around one preeminent man. And he is the living word. And he has a name. His name is Jesus. I'm, I'm hurrying. We call it the word of God. Because it's a book about God, inspired by God, heaven breathed by God. Romans eight, uh, Romans eleven, rather, and thirty six says, "For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever, Amen." This is a book about Him. When I was a boy, one of my favorite preachers to listen to was a man by the name of Robert Bear. I tried to go back through my notes and find out when was the last time that I had presented the ABCs of the scripture. It was about 2013, the best that I recall. And so I figure if nobody remembers what I preached last weekend, I'd probably be safe to do this tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. But what I want to say to you tonight is if you really want to know the word, you need to go back to kindergarten and learn your ABCs again. You got your seatbelt on? Take it off. Because it works. Hebrews 5 and 9 says he is the author of salvation. Hebrews 1 and 3 says he's the brightness of God's glory. Isaiah 32 and 2 says he's the covert from the tempest. John 17, 26 says he's the declarer of God's name. Hebrews 1 and 3 says he is the express image of his person. Luke 7, 34 said he's a friend of sinners. Matthew 12 and 42 said he's greater than Solomon. Acts 3 and 14 says he's the holy one and just. Hebrews 6 and 18 says he is immutable. Acts 13, 39 said he is the justifier of us all. Ruth 4 and 14 called 
calls him the kinsman redeemer. John 1 and 29 said he is the Lamb of God. Romans 3 and 25 said he is the mercy seat. Philip 2 and 9 said he's the name above all others. Revelation 22 said that he is the Omega or the last word. Romans 9 21 says he's the potter. John 5 21 he's the quickener. Deuteronomy 33 27 he is the refuge. Psalm 3 and 3 he is the shield. John 6 48 the true bread come down from heaven. Ephesians 3 and 8, he's unsearchable. John 15, 5, he's divine. Zechariah 2 and 5, he's a wall of fire around us. And in the Greek alphabet, he is Alpha and Omega. From A to Z, he's got you covered. There's nobody like him. And his word is still powerful. You can come up whatever you want to do. I want to tell you that all 66 books, Brother Miller, is full of his power. It's full of his presence and full of his person. We see him everywhere and always in his word. He's an Adam as the head of the human race. He is the second man Adam that fixes what the first man Adam messed up. He is Melchizedek, the high priest that's without beginning or ending. He is in David as the king of his people. He's in Aaron as the priest of his people. Can I tell you tonight, whatever you need, he is. And he is the word. He is the life. And when he speaks, light comes. I love teaching search for truth Bible studies and in the very first lesson of search for truth there is a story that I love to share it's about Voltaire who was the French philosopher Voltaire said 100 years from right now there will not be a Bible in the earth except for one that's looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Well, 100 years later, Voltaire was dead and his own press and house were being used to print and store Bibles by the Geneva Bible Society. He said there won't even be a word in a hundred years. But in a hundred years, they used the very press that he used for false doctrine and printed the eternal words of life. Immanuel Kant was a German philosopher of the 19th century. He is a very widely held central figure of modern philosophy and he predicted that by the year of 1900 there would be no more Bibles Mr. Kant died in 1803 it's 2019 ha ha babo shekete ha Isaiah said in 40 and 8 that the flower withereth and the grass fadeth 
But the word of our God shall stand. Psalm 119 and 89 said forever, O Lord. (laughs) Thy word is settled in heaven. Why in heaven? Because the enemy can't touch it in heaven. But Jesus said that we would be raised to be seated with him in heavenly places. That means when we're elevated on a Sunday night like this, that I'm seated in the place where his word has been settled. And I'm declaring to you on this Sunday night that his word may be settled in heaven, but go ahead and let him settle it in your heart. Let there be light. finish with this the Bible said at the marriage supper of Cana that they ran out of wine and the governor of the feast said what are we going to do Mary came walking up looked at Jesus and said we got a problem when she did Jesus looked at her and said woman what's wrong with you my time has not yet come But watch this. When she turned around, the Bible says she looked at the servants and she said, Whatsoever he saith, do it. Because when he speaks, I said, When he speaks, and the governor of the feast. I don't know what happened, but I believe that you saved the best for that. When he speaks the best. I said when he speaks, the darkness has to go. When he speaks, the sickness. about now somebody ought to be believing what I'm preaching some of you been locked up tied up tangled up in trouble (laughs) but I want to tell you what the word of the Lord says he that the son has set free Somebody ought to be preaching that right now. I'm free because his word says that I'm free. I'm free because he says I can. Some of you still trying to convince yourself right now that his light is more powerful than your darkness. 
But the power has never been in the question of whether or not his light is good enough. The question of consequence is, will you let there be light? So I'm speaking to every doubter. And I'm speaking to confusion tonight. And I'm saying in the name of Jesus, every spirit of fear, every spirit of depression, let there be spirits of anxiety and I'm declaring let there be light oh Lord I'm speaking to change and I'm declaring let there be They said, Lord, we fished all night, and we hadn't caught a thing. He said, Peter, I dare you to go try one more time. But, Lord, we told all night, and we came back empty-handed. He said, you don't understand, Peter. It's all about position and timing. So, Peter, take your net. on the right side of the boat Peter said Lord I tried it my way but nevertheless at thy because where the word of the king is the word of the Lord said I don't care if you fished all night and you didn't get an answer I'm speaking now try me I dare somebody right now to step out by faith and say Lord I'm going to try one more time I'm going to step out one more time I'm going to believe one more time I'm going to give one more said cast your nets every one of the fish in the sea of Galilee looked at each other and said did you hear that dislocated out of position far removed from the net but when the word said cast your nets those fish looked at each other and said boys we got to go because I just heard the word that spoke this water that we're living in. And he told the man to have dominion over the fish. Some of us get so discouraged when we go look and we don't have the answer we've been looking for. The very same voice of the prophet that said the heavens are going to be shut up for three years. Three years later, he said, I hear the sound of abundance. 
And when he sent his servant to go look, he came back. He said, sorry, Rev. There's nothing there. But the word of the prophet looked right back at him. And he said, brother, go again seven times. And when the man took off running, he came back a second time, didn't see anything. He said, go again seven times. That's when he went the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. Can I tell you right now? He didn't see anything until he went as far as God said to go. But when he got there on the seventh time. That's what he's hearing. Because it sure don't look like much right now. But when he came back, he said, prophet of the Lord, I want to tell you. What you've been hearing and what I'm seeing don't look quite the same. But, but i got to believe the word is right. He said, all right. Then I want you to go tell Ahab. He better hurry and get on that chariot and go back because the flood is on the way. Some of you done quit. Some of you say, oh, no, 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 no. I've been there, Pastor. I've tried there's no reason to go back. But all I need tonight is about a half dozen people that'll step up by faith and say, I don't have an answer. But nevertheless. See, I, I, know, I know what we're waiting on. We're waiting on the kick drum to start so that we can, we can bounce. Some of you are going to bounce your way right out to the parking lot full of unbelief. But I'm declaring to you tonight. That his word said before we got here tonight, let there be light. So I'm speaking to the doctor, and I'm speaking to the lawyer, and I'm speaking to the judge. Let there be light. I dare you right now to fill this house. Let your faith reach up and connect to the heartbeat of God and give him a shout of praise. My God is more than 